This week, the Down and Nerdy Podcast is brought to you by Claritin D. And shout out to the folks at Claritin who not just sponsored the show, but also provided some samples as well. Tis the season to breathe pollen. Yeah, I've been spending a lot more time outside. Yeah, I can tell those allergies are definitely acting up. I feel stuffy. I feel sluggish. The eyes are starting to water a little bit more. That's why I'm turning to Claritin D. Look, it's definitely helped me relieve my symptoms. It seems to work really, really fast for me as well. It's designed for serious allergy sufferers. Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongestion in your nose so you can breathe better. And hey, I'm noticing a lot of that right now. As a matter of fact, I'm looking forward to be able to enjoy much more outdoor time this spring and summer. A lot of that has to do with Claritin D. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Spanning the nerd world and feeding your fandom. It's time for the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Here's your host, James Witham. Nerding things up with a little history comic style. It's episode 483 of the Down and Nerdy podcast. I'm James Witham, and one of the things I loved about Comic-Con this year is that I got to talk more comics than I have in a while, and it was a lot of fun. I got a chance to sit down with writer Fred Kennedy of the Dead Roman series from Image Comics. The epic conclusion happens on August the 23rd. That is this Wednesday, if you haven't had a chance to catch up yet. The first five issues of Dead, Dead Romans are already out. And we're going to dive into not just the book itself, but he's got a lot of good history knowledge that he drops during this interview. And I think I could have talked to him all day, but we only had like 15 minutes. So you're going to have to be you're going to have to settle for that. And if you don't know about Dead Romans at all, this will really give you a good idea of why this is a comic that you should absolutely be reading. Of course, I'm always going to be talking about Blue Beetle, right? Because Blue Beetle was out this weekend. I'm going to give you maybe, I think I'm going to do this with a little bit of spoilers. Maybe not full spoiler, but I'm going to go to a little bit of spoilers with the Blue Beetle review. And then I'm going to be talking about a bunch of different trailers and things like that. There's not a whole lot of nerd news this week. Maybe we'll get some more comics talk in here a little bit as well. But up next, going to talk to Fred Kennedy. Let's talk about Dead Romans, a little bit of history next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hey, this is comic book creator Jason Sean Alexander, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. One of my favorite stops at Comic-Con is always going by the Image booth, just because there's so many great stories and just such a vast array of stories as well. But you give me a historical fiction story and a good one, and I'm so in, especially for Dead Romans, issue five just dropped. I have the writer with me right now, Fred Kennedy. Fred, what's up, man? Nothing much. Just riding the wave. Riding the wave. Like, this is my first Comic-Con. Well, I go to cons back home, but like San Diego Comic-Con with an image book and it's been a trip man that's so awesome and, and to bring a book like this has to be awesome what, talk about you know what was your inspiration for wanting to do this book because you've got Germans you've got Romans yeah What's the deal? how'd that come about well I grew up in Belgium and when I was a little kid as a field trip we went to like this archaeological dig site and a recreated Belgii village and the Belgii were like this tribe that gets mentioned in the Gallic Wars where Julius Caesar hated fighting the Belgii because they didn't surrender and where I grew up there was this these two hills where there was a massive battle and the Romans almost lost Julius Caesar almost lost there and 
when I read about this, I didn't even really know who Julius Caesar was because I'm only like eight or nine years old. And then when I talked to my parents about it, they bought me some Asterix and Obelisk comics when I was like nice. in the fourth grade. And that's legitimately where my love of Rome started. And we moved to Canada watching documentaries about about Rome and Romans and sort of putting all these things in place. And Roman history is so fascinating to me because I grew up in an area where there are still remnants of Roman there was a part of an aqueduct, one of the Rome roads in uh, Erchi was built by the Romans. Wow. Uh, and the fascinating thing that I started learning about, whenever you read about, like even in Lord of the Rings, they talk about how things used to be, the stone, remember when they're going in to Gondor in the end and, and Gimli is saying like, look at the stonework here, this is the old stonework, yep. it's way better. All those threads that you see in fantasy writing about the old civilization that used to be great, is always alluding to in the Middle Ages, they had a reverence for the people who came before, the Romans, because their structures were so much better built than everything that they had at the time. So Roman history and the, the fingerprints of what they did is still very pervasive in everything and pop culture without even realizing it. No doubt, and just the way that you guys bring this book to life is, is so incredible to me. Talk about talk about your main characters a little bit. You've got you've Arminius got, and Honoria. Yeah, you've yeah. got you've got them and you've got you, your your love story going on there. But we've kind of seen that even evolve as she spoiler alert for the first issue, yeah. she gets taken and we sort of see their opinions of her opinion of him at least evolve. Yes. Talk about that journey that you've kind of sent readers on because it was a just love story from the beginning and then all of a sudden there was maybe a little yeah. bit Yeah, so the thing about the Battle of Teutoburg, it, it was the, one of the largest defeats the Romans ever suffered. If not the largest, definitely the most impactful, and it, it changed the state of the empire for the rest of its existence, for another 400 years. And to focus on something that big is very difficult. So you need to have, like, a, an inn. And our inn was the very personal relationship between Arminius and Denoria, and it creates a very human sense of two people dealing with something so massive and so huge in scale and so terrifying and mind-boggling. And that relationship with them really becomes the central point and you're sort of observing all these massive things happen, but it's really, you, you feel that human connection of the impact through these two characters. And they were in love and she was a frumentarii, like a Roman assassin, a spy. And, he is this Roman general, but he's actually, he's German, and it's not like, oh, it turns out he was German. No, they knew he was German. Right, exactly. He, he was taken as a child, as a hostage to Rome, raised, went back to Germany, and then leads this rebellion against Rome. And it's sort of a surprise attack. It's one of the greatest, most brilliantly tactical, ambu executed ambushes in human history. It's fascinating to read about. and watching it happen through their eyes and watching Arminius realize his idea of having his cake and eating it too and seeing it taken away from him. I know that Arminius is, he's not an asshole. He's, he just didn't think things through. He right. got, and that happens. Like, I think that we're all of the mindset of Arminius. Like you get so focused on a goal without realizing the implications of what's going to happen afterwards, you know? And that's what happens to him in this story. So do you kind of feel like it's it's a story of not necessarily lost love, but more like corruption, and yeah. like one of them sees it, but the other one doesn't? I, it, what it comes down to is it's she feels betrayed, and she should feel betrayed because he didn't talk to her. And she's so just, she's very justified in the changes she makes as a character. And when, 
problems talking about it with my wife. She goes, the moral of the story is you got to have open channels of communication in your relationship. <laughs> you set yourself up that for that <laughs> so, one, So, and when she said that, I was like, it really is. Because if they had just been open and honest and communicating with each other, yep. none of this would have happened. So, uh, in your relationships, talk about your feelings, talk about everything. Get it off your chest. Don't internalize it and don't keep secrets from one another because you never know. You could find yourself separated on a battlefield and then your whole relationship falls apart. You didn't know you were going to get relationship advice in this interview, did you? But this you story would, is guess really, what? This is the new men are from Mars, women are from Venus. That is the real story that's going on with Dead Romans. <laughs> I love yeah. it. I love it. Talk about your partnership with Nick here on the art because you guys have some seriously large scale and brutal battle scenes talk about the way you guys brought those things to life because i feel like you guys have brought a real perfect partnership yeah he's he's so rad i was terrified to work with nick actually he's like an art an artist artist and he was at a show in toronto and i saw his book that he was selling the voyager which is like a historical story and i was intimidated to talk to him but one of my friends kalman andrashovsky was like that's the guy like yeah. that's who you got to talk to. Yeah, of course. And so I went and I talked to him and I asked him what his schedule was like. And he said, yeah, for sure, we can talk. But I kind of tell that he was kind of like not super interested. And when I emailed him later, I emailed him while he was doing a podcast about Rome. And he was like, it's ah. fate. So that's how it actually happened. And we we went out for drinks to, to talk about the idea. And we didn't even talk about page rates or anything. We just got so into the story that we didn't even have the discussion about money until we were already like full bore into it which normally doesn't happen that's kind of unprofessional to do that but we're just we got super fanboyed up about what we wanted to do and normally when you're when you're working on something you don't want to give an artist lots of big sweeping scenes with crowds because they hate it but he got super into doing the crowd stuff so i was like well here we go yeah and wait when you see what's coming in issue six it's gonna blow your mind like it's the stuff that you see in six is like it's like the battle of pelinor fields but with a lot more red <laughs> My mind is already blown, yeah. and it's 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 hard to wrap my head around some of these massive scenes that you guys have had. Is there a favorite, like part of a certain issue, especially in the art, where you went, "This was so magical, and this was so the way I wanted it to come out." There's two scenes that are really magical to me. One is in issue two, and it's when it's after the first day of attacks. The Germans have been very successful, and so to get so to to give thanks to their gods, they're sacrificing all the Romans. And there's this really wild incantation sacrificial scene. Oh, that's such a good one. And, and Jose Villarubia did these colors. And it's, I think that we today don't see the magic in the world the same way people did in those days. Like, if a bird flies by while we're having a conversation, we don't think, oh, well, that was a sign from the gods. In that time, they did. And we really impart that in the visuals there. And there's another scene that's completely the opposite, actually. And it's a scene where Arminius is sort of looking at what he's done. And he's seeing all his warriors celebrate and make plans for the next day to attack the Romans more. But he had thought that Honoria would be with him. And he's got a dress of hers and it's hanging in his tent. And he's not talking at all. There's just, he's remembering things that were said. And it's a scene where... He's holding this dress that belongs to her, and he's smelling, the, he's holding the dress, and the way Nick transitions from that to his memory, and there's a scene of them 
holding they're walking through a grape field which is this vision of what he thought their life was going to be like uh, I, yes and that's it, right okay and, yeah. he's, and and the thing that i liked about it was that she's looking at these grapes that they're growing and he's holding a baby and there's no acknowledgement of everything but i to me that's like the dove the whimsy the fantasy of it and i think that we have this idea that dudes only think about like the war and he is focused on the war but the only reason he's doing that is to all that matters to him is getting her and having that life together and i think that when that if you're if you're following and you see that scene and then knowing that it puts all the stuff that comes after into context and it really turns into like in this case not a greek tragedy but a roman tragedy i guess you'd say <laughs> or a germanic tragedy because yeah, it's. I, I think those are my two favorite things in the whole story. Is that the sacrificial scene and then the complete opposite scene later on. So we've got issue six coming out on August the twenty third. Yeah, and that's you know issue six of six sort of thing. So then fans kind of go, okay, is there going to be more? Is this sort of it? Or are we planning on a conclusion here? Or is this something you'd like to see continue at some point? Well, there is a conclusion. <laughs> there is a conclusion in issue six. We do want to do another arc. There's talks about that happening. It's not off the table. We just have to wait and see. Yeah, so I, I, there's really no way of me saying there will be. I can say that we would all be very happy if there was. So I can say that. And talks are happening, but there's nothing I can really say. I will say that if it did happen, it would be a smaller scale story, but it would have just as epic of an impact. That, that is sense. awesome to hear. Now, being uh, before I let you go, Fred, being a, a fan of history as you are, I can I can tell by the glint in your eye when you're talking about it. Is there any other particular story or time period, or just something that you'd love to tell in this in this same kind of format? Uh, I, if I had to do another, because I've been asked like if you did another story about Rome, what would you want to do? I would want to tell the story of Belisarius, who is often called the last Roman, and that just a purely fascinating individual but that would need to be like a very long arc to do it properly and I'm not in a position professionally to like pitch this massive story maybe one day but if I could do another like six issue story or something of that nature I would want to do a story about the siege of Vienna in 1683 which was the inspiration for the battle of Pelennor Fields and the charge of the rover rim uh, the largest mass cavalry charge in human history with the, the Polish flying hussars coming across like 40,000 cavalrymen charging across a field liberating a city that's on the verge of falling like all that whole thing in Lord of the Rings is the siege of Vienna in 1683 and there's some really interesting historical characters and one of my buddies Miko Maciejic is Polish and he's a fantastic artist who does a variant cover for issue 6 by the way oh nice him and I have like talked for years about wouldn't it be amazing if we could just do that we wrote a story like a little a little, you know, piece of like, like mental head fiction called the Golden Apple, which was sort of like laying out all the characters. Because if you read about the the siege of Vienna in 1683, it's it's mind blowing. Also, the siege of Schwitgar, um, which is another Ottoman siege, and but that's like that's a 300 esque story where it's this tiny little fort is being besieged by like tens of thousands and there's only like 700 800 guys in the fort and they hold it and then rather than let it be taken 
they slowly collapse to the final like bastion. And then when they're fully surrounded and all of the Ottoman troops are close by, they light the powder kegs inside the fort and blow the oh. fort up. And you think that I'm exaggerating. I'm not. That's, the, that's literally what they do because they refuse to fall. They refuse to yield. And it deals with, I think it's Suleiman the Great was the leader. And Suleiman the Great died during the siege and they kept it secret because they didn't want... Yeah, it's, that's another... The Siege of Shvitgar is what it's called. And it's... When you read it, you're like, those are some hard dudes, man. Wow. <laughs> I feel like five times smarter than I did before yeah. this interview started. I'm just going to say... I probably yeah. mispronounced so many names. I've got so many minutia, bits of minutiae incorrect. People that listen to my show hear me mispronounce names all yeah. the time. So it's, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Nobody's going to hammer you for that because they're going to be too excited to read issue six of Dead Romans. Yeah. Which comes out on August the 23rd. You can get all the other issues right now. Your local comic book shop, digital retailers, however you like to read it. We just want you to read it. Yeah. Because it's amazing and hear more about this guy. Fred Kennedy, man, thank you so much. Thank you. Great time. I appreciate it. There's one thing I really love is that when I get little nuggets of history that I didn't really know about, even if there's some, you know, aspects of it that might be a little bit fictional or a little, you know, you certain liberties taken with stories and things like that. But you can tell in Fred Kennedy's voice when he's talking about this stuff that he really enjoys the history and he really tries to stay true to at least the thematics of it and he seems to know these battles inside and out somehow man i mean he's dug deep to get this information for this story and if you've been reading dead romans from image comics from the beginning you know how beautifully drawn this book is but you also know just how brutal the battle scenes can be and how cleverly crafted these characters are this is a good story it's a really nice nice book to look at and if you haven't gotten the conclusion yet you could do that this Wednesday at your local comic book shop. Dead Romans number six is where you can get that. And of course, if you if you do the digital route, you can do your digital retailers as well. This is a book that I think you want to hold in your hands, though, and keep copies of because this is incredible. And of course, you can get issues one through five now at your local comic book shop as well. Again, thanks to Fred Kennedy for joining me to talk about some Dead Romans at Comic-Con last month. Up next, it's time to talk Blue Beetle. My spoiler-ish review of that movie is coming up next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com realm. 
all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. This is writer and artist Gabriel Rodriguez, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. When you find out that Venom isn't the only one with a symbiotic relationship, it's time for my spoiler-ish review of Blue Beetle from DC Studios and Warner Brothers Discovery Pictures. I guess we can call it DC Studios now, since James Gunn's already said that Jaime Reyes will return in DC Studios at some point. And yeah, basically, if you don't know the story of Blue Beetle, it's about an alien scarab that chooses a college graduate who is Jaime Reyes and his family. And he's basically the one that... He's the one that's supposed to, you know, help his family get out of poverty, get out of the situation that they're in. At least that's the way he sees it. Anyway, and I think that it's interesting how this family dynamic kind of shapes who he is as a hero. I mean, I know that that, that sounds like a trope, but it really wasn't in this case. But the Blue Beetle suit of armor, basically, it's it's like the best symbiote you could possibly have. Because if you think it, this thing can create it. It's very unpredictable, though you see that in this in very in the very very early going of this of this movie for sure and you see it in the trailer too so that really shouldn't be a surprise but i don't want to get too deep into what it's about because you probably already know and if you don't i mean you're you're going to google it right so basically what i'm trying to tell you right now is that this movie is exactly what superhero movies have forgotten they need to be and that's fun this movie was just so much fun, and I'm going to tell you right now, as far as casting goes, casting Sholo Maradueña, and I really hope I got that right, Sholo, that is perfect casting for Jaime Reyes and Blue Beetle. Not only do you already love him from Cobra Kai, he's grown up. He shows you he's grown up in this movie. Yeah, he's still got those moments where, where you know, he's still Miguel from Cobra Kai, and you kind of see those little moments from him but you also see him grow and mature even as you're watching this movie and if you already loved him in Cobra Kai you're going to love him even more in this and I'm going to tell you that right now and I loved the the Reyes family dynamic they were funny they were they were just the bond between them right and I'm going to tell you Alberto Reyes played by Demian Alcazar that dude like that's like you want to talk about a, an amazing dad Alberto Reyes is an amazing dad where the world's burning down around you. And he's like, you know what? We're going to figure this thing out because we're the Reyes and that's what we do. And we've seen tougher stuff than this. No matter what happens, 
That's this dude's attitude. And it's so incredible. And it's so refreshing. It, this this relationship between the hero and the father. You know, there's always, you know, interesting elements to that, right? And it seems like it's always a part of the story. And in this one in particular, the relationship between Alberto and Jaime is so strong. Like, you want to talk about needing your dad's guidance. And every time your dad's there for you, and he's always there for you, he makes you a better man. That's Alberto Reyes. And that's one of the things I really, really loved about him. And then you've got Uncle Rudy, the eccentric uncle, because that's what you should have, right? You should have an eccentric uncle, played by George Lopez. At first, I didn't like him. But the more I saw him, I liked him more. And, you know, first he's like this crazy conspiracy theorist guy. And then you turn it turns out like he's a smart dude. He knows his stuff. He loves his family. He loves his nephew Jaime and his, his entire family. And he just wants what's best for everybody. And he thinks he's a screw-up, and he's really not. This family really knows how to pick each other up. Even, even, even Milagro, Jaime's sister who they have that very perfect brother-sister relationship where she like acts like she doesn't love him, but she really does sort of thing. And she's got this snarkiness about her. And it was, it was really fun. Just watching this whole family was just amazing. And it made you want to root for this entire family. And I mean, you can't forget Nana Reyes. Adriana Barraza was incredible. So, so fun. And, there's, and, and, and I keep saying the word fun. There was emotional moments in this too. But it wasn't for the sake of just being there. You know how sometimes you're watching a superhero movie or just a comic book movie in general. And it's like, oh, like, wow, we got to throw some emotion in here. We can't be too funny all the time. And this movie doesn't do that. It has the emotional moments, but it's integral to the plot of the story. It's used to drive the plot forward and shape Jaime as the Blue Beetle, as the hero. It's like, he, do you want to be a hero or do you not want to be a hero? And he kind of, you kind of see him make that decision as the movie goes on, based on his relationship with his family. And, you know, stuff that happens, you know, with the with the cords as well. Especially, you know, Jenny Cord. She plays a big role in this too. Obviously, being a cord. And she's the one you see in the trailer. She gives him the scarab in the first place. And the villain in this movie, you think it's Carapax, right? And, I don't, and I'm not going to spoil too much here. And yes, obviously, Carapax plays a role as a villain. But Victoria Cord, Susan Sarandon, you're going to hate her. <laughs> I'm just saying, hate her. Especially if you're an if you're an OG Blue Beetle fan, if you're a Ted Cord fan. They will talk about Ted Cord in this movie. I will tell you that right now. They don't just push Ted Cord aside. He plays a little bit of a role in this. In, in name only. You're not actually going to see him see him. But what Victoria does to the Cord family and Cord Industries and what she's turned it into, oh, you're going to hate her. Not just because she's a terrible villain, but because of what she does to the Cord name and the Cord company. And and there's and again, there's explanations for all of this stuff as you go along. This movie does a very good job of explaining itself, saying exactly where it's going to go and why. And it does a good job. But again, I hate it when they try to make it the villain sympathetic. And at first you're going to think they are, they're not, because maybe you need to realize who the real villain is. There's a difference between being a villain and being manipulated, and there's you know it's it's a very fine line. But I hope that you see it. And there's a lot of really funny moments that maybe aren't necessarily meant to be funny. And 
Harvey Gillen has one of those in this movie, the Dr. Dr. Sanchez character, who, I again, I think you're going to end up loving, even though you don't realize you are. Like, right at the end, he has a really funny moment that I, I laughed probably more than I should have at that, especially what ends up happening. But, yeah, it's just... This movie reminded me of before the MCU and before we started taking... And I'm just as guilty of this sometimes as anybody. Before people started taking superhero movies too seriously and needing these like Oscar level moment performances. And that's not me insulting the performances in this movie. There's a lot of good ones. You know, nobody's going to win an Oscar for this thing. And I don't think that was the, that was the idea of this movie. Right. But like they just, everybody made this movie so fun and so likable. And it was just such a breath of fresh air to sit in a theater and watch a movie where it was just supposed to be fun. And when the emotional moments were there, they were there and they had an impact. They weren't just there to be there because you felt like they needed to be there to round out the story. It was a part of the story, each step of the way. And it made its impact when it needed to make its impact. And then you were back to the fun loving movie that you were realizing. And you get to see the the maturation process of Jaime Reyes and not just, not just, the, the family either, but you not, not just him, not just the family, but the community that they're in as well. I will say that I cannot, there were certain moments in the movie I didn't realize why they were as funny as they were. And there was a, there was a Latin couple that was sitting in the same row as I was. And there were certain points of this movie, and I won't tell you which specific points because I don't want to give away any big spoilers, but they would laugh hysterically. And they were the only ones in the theater laughing at the time. It's like, I must not get it like and that's and that's okay by the way because it was still some of these moments were still funny not just not as funny because again I'm not a Latin American person I have friends of mine that are from Latin Latin countries and things like that so I you know but that's not the same thing right I can't relate to this the same way that somebody can if they're from one of those countries right so it was like okay so that must be that must be something I don't understand and I might have to ask somebody later why it was as funny as it was. And I'm sure somebody's going to hear this and, and, and know exactly what I'm talking about and explain it to me. But it was just just these characters, man. I wanted to see not just Jaime again. I wanted to see this entire family again. I want to see where the story goes. There's some good Easter eggs for comic book fans too in this thing that I was not expecting, that I'm super glad that we got. And this movie did not come in and try and smack you in the face with anything other than let's have fun, let's introduce a really cool character and see where things go. The action sequences were good. The casting top to bottom was so well done. The suit looked phenomenal. They nailed the design of the suit for sure. Was this movie perfect? No, it wasn't perfect. But it was pretty darn entertaining, and that's all that I was really looking for from Blue Beetle. So if you get a chance to see it, Go see it in the theater. You won't be sorry that you did because it was a lot of fun. That's going to do it for my spoiler-ish review of Blue Beetle. Up next, how about we talk about a little bit of nerd news, see what kind of trouble we can get into this week. I'm James Witham. This is the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hey, this is Robert Venditti, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Time to pull the rug out from a couple of renewals. It's time for nerd news. And I don't remember I saw this. I know that was on comicbook.com was one of them anyway, so sorry for... Not being able to find the original source of these. But Amazon has just canceled two series that had already gotten 
second season renewals. One of them is the peripheral, which you might remember Chloe Grace Moretz, the sci-fi series. The other one was A League of Their Own. Now, here's the deal. Is this because of the strike or not? I say probably, and you know, there's no way that we're probably ever going to know this for sure, but these were two shows that were renewed. Now, A League of Their Own was going to be a shortened second season as it was, but the peripheral definitely had a full second season order, and now this this happens. They've kind of unrenewed them for these second seasons. And with everything getting pushed back and everything getting backburnered because of both the SAG after strike and the WGA strike, you kind of thought that stuff like this might start happening and stuff would get slashed. And this is, you know, the unfair byproduct of what's going on right now. You know, obviously this is all being done for the greater good of the unions and things like that and, you know, getting a fair deal. And But the this is the kind of stuff that is likely to happen in a, in a long strike. Now, could this have happened anyway? Sure. Could this have just been a cost-cutting measure by Amazon? Also possible. It could have been, it could have been that these shows were going to get cut regardless once budgets were looked at and things like that. But the Peripheral was a good show, specifically. That show had some really cool sci-fi elements to it. I thought that the cast was awesome. You can see my interviews with the cast. I actually did interviews with a lot of the cast members and the creative team behind the show. You can go check those out either on a past podcast. Just you know, search where you're listening now. Or you can also find it on our website and on YouTube. as well. I posted some of the interviews up there for the videos as well. It was a good show. It had some cool elements to it. I loved the, you know, the kind of, you know, tr- you know, travel in, in aspect of the whole thing, where you're kind of going inside the mind, and you know, are you are you there? Are you really there? You're not there. Are you in this world, and you're not in this world, sort of thing. That was always a real, co- really cool part of the show. It's deeper than that. Trust me. It's not. It's not that simple. I'm kind of simplifying it here. But that was a really good, a really good and cool and unique sci-fi show that was based on a book, by the way. So you can get the book as well. So I'm kind of bummed that that one's not going to be back. And I thought that that certainly deserved another chance. Now, is this, again, one of those times where, you know, it could land at another network? I guess, but it's not like you can really, you know, shop things around right now either, right? I mean, now's not the time to be able to do that sort of thing. So, I, you know, the longer you're stuck in limbo, the worse off you are. Like, I love you if you're try- if there's a, sh- a show that you're still trying to save and you've still got your campaign going, I love you for it. But right now... You gotta understand it's probably not gonna happen for certain shows, especially with what's going on with these strikes. And again, this just to me just seems like a byproduct of that that we'll we'll never know for sure. But a league of their own that was a shaky renewal because you know there was you know some fans loved it, some fans really really didn't, and it was definitely you know it it was definitely a departure from the movie. That much I could tell you, and, and the story of the movie as well. So, yeah, I, 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 I was kind of surprised when that got a second season renewal in the first place. And then when it got a shortened season renewal, it was like, oh, well, you know, they'll get to finish up their story at least. And, you know, that'll make the fans that did that did want the show back, that'll make them happy. So that's good. But, but this, I just, I'm not surprised that that one's not coming back. But the fact that, because that was the first one we found out about was, was The League of the Run. And I was like, yeah, okay, I could see that. But then when I saw about the peripheral, that's when I started getting getting a little bummed. And is this going to be the last time we hear a story like this? Is this stuff going to start popping up a little bit more again? I mean, maybe. Only time will tell. I kind of hope that 
this doesn't keep happening over and over and over again. But you never know. Hopefully it's not the case. And, you know, this is probably not going to be exclusive to Amazon either. I mean, I'm sure that other companies, other studios are going to end up doing some similar things to cut costs or, you know, to find a way to fray future costs and things like that. I just, this, this is just kind of a bummer for me. And I hope that it doesn't keep happening. And I, ultimately, I want to see everybody get a fair deal. And I want to see these strikes end soon. I think that's something that we all want. Here's something that we know that we're going to be looking forward to. And that is a MonsterVerse series on Apple TV+. Plus. Did you know that there was a Godzilla series coming to Apple TV+. Plus? Maybe you didn't. Well, now you do because they just revealed the details of it. It's going to be called Monarch Legacy of Monsters. It's actually going to follow the battle between Godzilla and the Titans that leveled San Francisco. I'm kind of reading from the synopsis now. And the shocking revelations that monsters are real. Now, this is going to track two siblings following in their father's footsteps to uncover their family's connection to the secret of our organization known as Monarch. And actually, Kurt Russell's going to be in this as the older officer, Army officer Lee Shaw. And Wyatt Russell's going to play the younger version that's going to be taking place in the 1950s. So I think it's cool that they're using kind of like father and son to kind of do that. I think that was a really neat thing. They decided, I mean, who better to play young Kurt Russell than his son? It kind of makes sense, right? But this is actually going to span three different de- generations according to the synopsis and, you know, you know, reveals un, you know, unearthed buried secrets and things like that, earth-shattering events, blah 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 blah. And we get a few images from this and you think, "Okay, that all sounds well and good." Are we actually going to get to see Godzilla? Yeah, you can see Godzilla, at least in one of these. In one of these photos that they released anyway, you get to see Godzilla kind of roaring above a school bus. So, yeah, we're going to get to see a little bit of that. And, and you know, again, Kurt Russell's going to be in this thing. Wyatt Russell going to be a member of the cast as well. Anna Sawai is going to be is going to be a part of this. Kiersey Clemens and some others. And some of the members of the team that brought Severance from Apple TV Plus are going to be behind the scenes as producers and things as well. And again, as long as they don't make it boring, because part of the thing, and Legendary TV, of course, is going to be a part of this. Part of the problem with the Godzilla movies is they've been boring at times, right? You get your, no, Godzilla versus Kong was great, but you get the point in these Godzilla movies where it's boring and you're just waiting for Godzilla and when it doesn't happen... You're kind of just always in that anticipation mode. I think you kind of go into this knowing you're probably not going to see Godzilla a lot. And it actually, the the title is Monarch Legacy of Monsters, okay? So it's going to be about this. It's going to be about Monarch more so than anything else. So you're going to find more about this information, than about this organization that you, than you would have otherwise. So it's more about tracking the organization itself and not necessarily... Godzilla and you know how these you know they discovered things about these monsters and you know how maybe you know were they created or something like that. there's I'm not now I'm just kind of speculating but at least you're going to get the idea that this isn't a series where you're just going to be tracking Godzilla all over the joint this is a series that's going to be more about Monarch and how and, and their role in this whole monsterverse world so if you go into it with that perspective anyway don't set yourself up for disappointment i guess is what i'm trying to say more than anything else but i i I mean i think this is a cool idea it's going to be a 10 episode series we don't have a release date yet and i'm kind of glad we don't because i mean again with this strike everything's up in the air as far as i'm concerned so to have a release date on anything seems kind of stupid so i'm kind of glad that they don't have one for that one yet 
We got some interesting teaser trailers to talk about this week. Scott Pilgrim takes off the anime take on the Scott Pilgrim story, which of course is based on the graphic novels of Brian Lee O'Malley. And I'm telling you right now, I think Scott Pilgrim was made for anime. And so many of the original cast members are back. Michael Sarah's back. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is back. Karen Culkin is back. Anna Kendrick, Aubrey Plaza. And then you throw in Chris Evans. You have Brie Larson's going to be in this. Brandon Routh is going to be a part of this as well. This is a stacked, stacked cast for this thing. And of course, Brian Lee O'Malley going to be one of the co-showrunners and executive producers, along with Ben David Grabinski. And then guess what? Yeah, your boy is back. Edgar Wright is back as one of the executive producers as well. But we've got Abel Garona is going to be the director of this thing. And some of the original songs are going to be done by the team that was behind Scott Pilgrim versus the world, the game. So, you know, as I was watching this trailer, I was like, yeah, this is some strong anime, but at the same time, I get video game vibes from this as well. It must've been the music because that's what I was kind of getting it from the, what this is about though. And I think this is fun. Scott Pilgrim meets the girl of his dreams, Ramona flowers, but learns he must defeat her seven evil exes in order to date her. And then things get even more complicated. And that's kind of the end of the little teaser synopsis. I love this. I think this is going to be so much fun. I love that we're getting this in anime form because then that way you can really make things pop out and stand out more so than you would in in live action. And it also gives you the chance to bring Michael Sarah back as Scott Pilgrim and some of these other characters as well. I mean, you could have still brought Michael Sarah back, but at the same time, you know, being able to do it this way you know, I think is is a little bit better because you still get the youth, youthful aspect of the character that you could play off of. So that's really neat. I think that this one's going to be a lot of fun, and I cannot wait to see Scott Pilgrim Takes Off, which is going to be premiering on November, November the 17th on Netflix. So we still got a little ways to go, but this one is going to be a blast. And, you know, Netflix is doing pretty good with anime-type stuff lately. So I think, you know, they, they're probably the best place to be able to tackle this thing right now. Then you've got Percy Jackson, which I'm surprised we're going to get this as soon as we are. The Percy Jackson series on Disney Plus, which is going to premiere on December the 20th on Disney Plus. I was really, really surprised when I found that out. And again, this is just a tip of the iceberg. They just wanted to give you a little bit of a peek into the mystical world. You get to see some of the mystical creatures that you're going to find in this series. You get to see some of the gods. I love that Adam Copeland, WWE's Edge, is going to be playing Ares in this thing. You get a quick look at him as well. But as far as the synopsis goes, you've got Walker Scroble, who's going to be playing Percy Jackson at 12 years old. Of course, you find out you're a demigod, you know, half Greek god and, you know, mortal woman. That's, you know, that's a pretty cool thing to find out. And that's kind of all we know at this point. But I also know... That Rick Riordan, who, of course, you know, Mr. Percy Jackson himself that wrote the books, was really involved in the making of the series, according to The Hollywood Reporter, especially in writing the first couple of episodes. So that is good news. Yes, we're going to have Annabeth Chase and Grover Underwood as well, played by Leia Sava Jeffries and Aryan Samadri, respectively. So that's kind of what you're looking for. You're looking for the familiar characters that you loved from the books and, of course, from the original movies as well. It's actually going to follow the story of the Lightning Thief. So if you're looking for something, I'll be be honest, I'm not like super, you know, embedded 
into the Percy Jackson world, but I've got I've got time to catch up on this thing, obviously. So that's what the story is going to be based on is the Lightning Thief, and and I mean looks wise, this is kind of what you want, right? I thought I think that the fan reaction's been pretty strong for this so far in a, in a positive way, and if the, again the fact that we're going to get this this year, I did not think we would get this in 2023, and even when I asked Rick Riordan about it when I interviewed him months ago about one of his other books. He said, yeah, it's coming, and it might be coming sooner than you think. And, you know, you hear that, and you go, yeah, okay. But, yeah, that that is very true. The fact that we're getting it this year I think is crazy. So, yeah, make sure you're looking for Percy Jackson, the Olympians, coming to Disney Plus on December the 20th. If you're a fan of Disenchantment from Netflix, of course, the Matt Groening series from the creator of The Simpsons, the final season is going to be coming to Netflix September 1st, so it's going to be right around the corner and this is basically, it's Bean's battle against Mom. You find that out in the trailer. She's, you know, if she wants to save Dreamland, she's going to have to kill her mom, who's Queen, Queen Dagmar. And she's going to have to figure out how to control her magic. And apparently controlling her emotions is what controls her magic. And if you've been watching the story, you know that's not Bean's strong suit. She doesn't really control her emotions very well, but you get to see her fight alongside her beloved. We also get to see the wonderful Elfo, who you probably fall in love with, fell in love with from the series. You get to see Lucy as well. Does he meet his bestie? Finally, it certainly seems like it in this trailer. And I just love being in her dad, the king, because the king is such an idiot. He's so stupid, but he finally has learned to kind of stick by his daughter, which which I love. And then you get to see, like, is there an evil being in this? It seems like that's what we're going to get. Right. If you watch this, if you watch this trailer for this final season, it's just one of those things. This I've been really hot and cold on this show. If I'm being honest, there's times where I think it's funny, and I think it's really fun, and it's just you know it can be silly at times. And there's other times where I'm like, D- I just can't stand this. It's stupid. I don't like it. So I'm gonna give this final season another chance because I usually come come in and out of this show, but I'm gonna give this final season a chance when it hits. On September the 1st, maybe I even give you a little bit of my thoughts on this series too. Because again, I I hate running hot and cold on shows like this. And it's hard for me to give my opinion on it if I'm not like super into it. But I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try and, you know, objectively look at this thing. And try and look at it from the perspective of somebody that really loves this show. Because I love Matt Groening. And you know, you know, when you've got The Simpsons, you've got Futurama, he's done some good things. I just think that with this show, and I was like this with Futurama too, honestly. I wasn't a huge Futurama fan, but there were times where I loved it, and there were times where I just couldn't watch it. And and that's just me. And if you love Futurama, maybe you're going, oh, how could you say that? Well, I mean, again, it's The Simpsons set the high bar for me, and I just didn't always think that Futurama hit that bar. That's all. And I think this show... Same thing, doesn't always hit that bar, bar, but I love the familiar animation style. I love that they never got away from that. And I do love the setting of the story, and I do love the characters in this as well. I just think story-wise, sometimes they miss the mark a little bit. But this final season, they'll probably pull out all the stops, and I'll probably end up loving it. So just enchantment. Coming back to Netflix, that's going to happen on September the 1st. And that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Again, thanks again to the wonderful Fred Kennedy for joining me to talk about Dead Romans. Make sure you're getting all six issues, if you can, at your local comic book shop. Issue six drops this Wednesday, August the 23rd. Also, go see Blue Beetle. I'm going to tell you that as much as I can. Just go see it. You need to... I, I know it's hard sometimes to go to the movies. It's expensive, blah, blah, blah. 
this isn't your typical superhero movie. Go see it. Support this movie. It's re- I think it's really important to support this thing. I know there's a strike going on. I know that. And I want every, and you know, maybe you don't want to give the studios your money. Understandable. But send a message that this is the kind of superhero movie that we want to see. Because it's certainly what I, what I was thinking when I was watching this thing. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Too, by the way, thank you if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever. Even if you just love listening on, on our website, downandnerdypodcast.com. I know you do because you probably love the timestamps, right? You could jump to a segment if you really want to hear something first and kind of jump around in the show. I see, I see, I see what you're doing. I totally get that. And you can find other shows on there as well. Past podcasts you can still find on our website too. Follow along on social media at Down and Nerdy 757 on Twitter and on Instagram at Down and Nerdy on Facebook at Down and Nerdy 757 on threads too, by the way. Not that I ever use it. I know that you don't either. You signed up for it and then you never used it again. And I totally understand that. Also at Down and Nerdy Pod on TikTok, by the way. I'm going to start doing more TikTok videos again. I've gotten away from that. And I'm, you know, shame on me for doing that. But most importantly, you never have to apologize for being a nerd. So let your fan flag fly and be good to your fellow nerds. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.